Hello, I'm Julia Lupton, Interim Director of the University of California Humanities Research Institute. It's my privilege to introduce Tracing Everyday Upheavals in the Middle East, a limited podcast series supported by a UCHRI multi-campus graduate student working group grant. This podcast brings together nine scholars from four UC campuses who have personal and academic engagements with the Middle East. They share their stories and experiences with upheavals in the region. This project focuses on upheavals in everyday life, unearthing intimate histories, complex presence, and imagined futures. In this episode, our scholars offer their definitions of upheaval, focusing on the events, movements, and people they associate with upheavals in the Middle East. We're working or on um, or imagining an interactive syllabus about everyday upheavals in the Middle East. How do we all think about upheavals or define upheavals? What events, movements, or people do you think about when you think about upheaval um, in the Middle East or elsewhere? I don't know why, but the first person that came to mind was the um, when we were watching Sherry Hahn. <laughs> when we were in the Santa Cruz retreat it's like a big burst of creative energy mm-hmm. that's what it felt like watching the video it's just just a a good like five minutes of creative bursts mm-hmm. um I think that feels like a generative like a, a productive way to think about a people and like one way to maybe get us away from like oh the Middle East is full of like destruction and that's the kind of people the people right so I mm-hmm. I like the creative energy burst mm-hmm. And I think like I tried to do in my first journal entry, I really try to think upheaval in a daily manner and what does it mean, especially in the context of like Southwest Asia, North Africa, Middle East, the, the places that we are coming, depending on how we name them. Because I think the grand narrative of upheaval is so alienating for me as a person who mm-hmm. has participated in that. I tend to focus more on the everyday parts. And I think it's also like every time when I find myself thinking about this grand narratives and like counter narratives, mm-hmm. but it, again, it doesn't work in that way. Sorry, I'm having a hard time to make my stance, but it sounds like seeing upheaval in a daily manner is a feminist issue for me because it is how we can really think about what does it mean in terms of our living, daily life, how it affects us, uh, the way we relate with the love and life and uh, the way we live in the places that those upheavals are taking place. The memories of upheavals, like the general way we understand them, uh, are taking place and seeing all these tiny bits like the moments that Mary was describing within Mm -hmm. them. Yeah, and I guess from from me, um, I, I often think about it, or at least like my um, I, like my way of thinking about upheaval is kind of rooted in my experiences, like growing up um, in Beirut, um, 
like because I was involved in a lot of different like subcultures and stuff. And so, you know, in, in those years, like being a teenager in Lebanon between like 2004, five and six, there was like a period of a lot of like car bombs, you know, and a lot of chaos. And right before like the July 2006 um, war uh, from Israel. And, and so it was, um, I think like at that moment, it's like while all of this was happening, like for us, like as young people at that time, like we were just kind of interested in creating like these like um, spaces for ourselves. And so like Mary was saying about like creativity and that Lou was saying about like the everydayness, those were the kind of moments that like really mattered. Um, of course, there was this bigger political context, but for us, it was also like, what are we creating? How do we imagine um, the spaces that we're a part of like these everyday kind of um these everyday kind of spaces and like the the creativity and even taking like things like punk and skateboarding and all of that and like turning it into something that is also like uniquely ours um, and at the same time developing like a politics through all of that mm-hmm. as well like a kind of countercultural but also like for me like a feminist and anti-capitalist like um, and anti-sectarian all of that like politics through all of that so what about you Rod? Um, I think I have to agree with everybody because uh, I mean maybe I'll add the queer element. Um, one book I've been really inspired by in my thinking, my dissertation about queer cinema in Lebanon, is by Hassan Musawi, a fractal Orientalism. But he thinks a lot about instead of thinking about queer people in Lebanon as a minority or as a group of people, he really tries to think about queer strategies and strategies to face this, I mean, what you're describing, uh, Aida, you know, this kind of like constant daily um, disposition that we need to have to face the real and mm-hmm. and go around it, but also create counter uh, cultures and counter movements to that. Uh, and I think that disposition is, is very queer by nature to me. Um, uh, yeah, there was one thing I wanted to say. And I'm more and more interested in uh, humor as a way to counter the serious, the real, the heavy. Um, and yeah, I've, I've been like, it's been so refreshing, but maybe I'll keep that to another answer. <laughs> Just hear like the, the young stand up comedians who. Uh, in from Lebanon, but I'm sure in other places as well uh, in the region. Um, yeah, sorry, very long meandering. Not at all. Yes, Simon. So all of these makes me feel really hopeful because I was actually gonna speak in a very like sad manner. Whenever I hear the word, and I don't know if this really answers the question, but whenever I hear the word upheaval. It just makes me feel like I lost something, like I lost a game or like I'm I'm not definitely winning anything. And it's also makes me like, this was what I, I think I had also written in my journal entry, but puts me in the position of trying to convince, convince people that we are all like trying to even out, like we're, we're all having upheavals. Um, I don't know why I'm in that position, but I feel like I've lost something and it's um, it's a negative position to be in. So when I hear you speaking about like how you find some kind of, I'm going to say victory in like being in that position through looking for some kind of a counter movement, it makes me feel hopeful because for me, it's 
like I need to go through all of these effects related to loss and then yes I can find meaning in like um how people form collectivities and how we think about these but still it, it puts me in that position that I've lost something and also it puts me in the position of trying to convince others that Middle East is not just or is not really that upheavally um and then I, I find myself in the position of like looking for I'm like in the position of trying to actually win a game. I don't know why I do that, but it, I go through all these effects and I take it very personally. I can't really take it as, I can't really be methodologically atheist or anything. Like I can't be really cold or objective when I hear that word. It gives me so many feelings, probably because it is happening again every day, including at this moment in like where I come from. And so many feelings to deal with and I like your optimism and I like your victories I don't know it's just so I appreciate it (laughs) well I kind of think that this like struggle probably is like the upheaval like the major part of it it's like to say that to kind of reject that upheaval and loss is something that happens to you but like you're actively negotiating it or actively engaging with it somehow so like the struggle to kind of figure out like what you're not totally losing that's that seems like that's part of the upheaval if not like the upheaval part completely something like that I was just thinking a lot like when we think about I think it is about how we cannot quote-unquote decolonize thinking about upheaval in ourselves because when we end up thinking that big change revolution upheaval like we always think it in a way that either we lose something or we will win and change the world and it is never like this in this grand narratives I tend to lose myself my politics I feel really powerful powerless uh, as if like and I'm in a negative position there for sure as well that's why I tend to and it is like for me an unlearning process of upheaval in my head and I'm trying to recreate what I understand from upheaval through my experiences of upheaval, through the effects of my upheaval. And that's where I can find hope. And that's not coming from somewhere else, from the ground change, or that's literally coming from every day, I guess. This also definitely resonates with me. I agree with what everybody said about the everyday, but I find myself often still stuck in the moment of 2011 in Egypt. And when, when I think about upheaval, when I think about what comes to mind when I think of upheaval, it's always that moment. Um, I try I try to not only think about that moment when I think about upheaval, but I often find myself unable to completely, um, I don't know, detach, go beyond it. But it's interesting because when I think of 2011, I don't think of something um, big. I don't think of a revolution. I think of all the small moments where my own consciousness changed or where my own... Um, political or feminist or that whatever it is consciousness was shaped like these moments where I realized that oh I really don't agree with what my family is saying or you know or I it's I I don't know these neighborhoods that I'm protesting Mm -hmm. in I've never been there you know I I think of these um very it's it's within the the cliche upheaval now in the Middle East the Arab Spring quote-unquote but but what I remember is always these very small moments and even in the big protests I remember 
very small things like the first time I felt someone sexually harassing me in a protest the first time I couldn't hear my own voice because there were so many people and you know that moment when your voice completely gets lost you know I just I only remember this I don't remember anything bigger than that um so in a sense I'm still a little stuck in that moment but also that moment is about things that are not necessarily part of the meta-narrative of revolution but are so personal and minute in 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 like at least my experience um of it I don't know if that makes sense but yeah that's what I think about when I think of upheaval and then also on the question of hope and hopelessness or despair um that Yasemin was talking about I I think that somehow I no longer necessarily think about um upheaval in relationship to that dichotomy of hope and despair I just I just feel action is necessary somehow you know but I'm not necessarily hopeful and I'm not necessarily hopeless. I don't know. I just know that I want to act, but I, but I don't feel neither hope nor despair, really. I just feel the, ne- the necessity to somehow move forward in whatever way I think I am being part of an upheaval, whether that's scholarship, whether that's activism, and they're not separate for, for me, but yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I, I like that you like fully scale, like, the revolution to yourself. I don't think I hear a lot of accounts. Little self-centered, but yes. <laughs> no, no, but it's, it's important. It's like, I think part of what we're doing here is that like, we're trying to shift focus to like actual people. Cause mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. like when people think about upheaval, they're just like, like, like what we were saying, like in our, in our proposal, like it's like these um, um, very grand, like uh, political reports on like mm-hmm. news channels. And it's like, mm-hmm this is what the government is doing and this is what like just these like very large mm-hmm. kind of aggregated actors and I like that you like should focus back to like you yourself like a person these yeah. people I, I mean I guess yeah there is also an everyday in the yeah. big upheaval right it's not it's it's not just a massive undifferentiated yeah. speed but right there's also an everyday there and so many different experiences no, I just wanted to say, I mean, just because like when we're talking about like the hope and hopelessness and despair, I think too, it's like there, there's not like a, there's no way to like uh, totalize it as well. or like constantly also just moving between the two. And I think like when I was thinking about upheaval, like I thought about my starting points, but then I also, um, I think when Yasemin was talking too about the things that are lost, like also that then makes me think about the past few years in, in, in Lebanon and for me going back there. And in 2019, right before the October Thaura, the uprisings, and um, and just the, the the two years like that followed, like and just a bit more than two years now, but these like moments of like so much hope and so much elation, but then also like um, to be in a place also in the midst of then like collapse um, and to kind of be going between um, also like the, you know, even the subcultures that I was a part of also within that, there was also a lot of um, like toxicity and there was a lot of patriarchy and there's a lot of interpersonal violence and it's not unique also to um, the the Middle East or, or anything, but I think it kind of just um, 
it's, it's, I don't know, I, I'm not sure what exactly I'm trying to say, but there's something about the ways that we're like, there's constantly like a back and forth. And it's not like, oh, the Middle East is inherently hopeless or despairing or hopeful. It's like, we're also just like people trying to like navigate a really like complex and, and often like very like also oppressive uh, world on many different scales and also one that is also full of liberating possibilities. I'm not exactly sure what I'm trying to say, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I feel like from everything we've said so far, um, and I, I really, like, I, I do agree with Yasmin, like the feeling of loss is just so heavy that you like constantly try to manage it. And especially like, because it's always personal, uh, right? And like, I mean, it has been very personal for most of us, especially for Lebanon in the past uh, three years, that feeling of loss has been like so fast and so heavy. Um, but I also, I, I wanted to, um, I, I love what, what you said also, Salma, and it just reminded me not to throw in some Deleuze, <laughs> that part, like that quote of Deleuze, I, I just love because it's just so, so beautifully put. It's I don't know if you ever uh, listened to his interviewer would tell him one letter and he would just say what what it means. And then there's I think G for gosh, which is left. And he talks about the revolution as this puff of real air. And he says like all the revolutions fail. Like revolutions always fail, but becoming revolutionary because basically at that moment you have such a powerful feeling of becoming of man becoming woman, of man becoming animal. I mean, it just like fabulates over that feeling of becoming that's so powerful. And and I feel like that that those moments, I also protest or movements I've been in uh, in Lebanon because they're just like such incredible moments. And then you get crushed, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but there are these moments. So basically, and the last thing I want to say is that maybe you should also complicate the temporality uh, because we, I think the temporality of upheaval, the way we live it in the Middle East is really related to media, how they, uh, you know, focus on the moment um, and then disappear. And then it becomes like Arab spring becomes Arab winter. Uh, yeah, it's just like so limiting and so limited. I mean, there's an unfolding that happens through time and also, I don't think it's it's a linear unfolding. So it brings us back to moments. And... Just about the temporality and like following what Selma was saying. I think I still like when we are saying upheaval, I also constantly find myself thinking about Gizzi, like the times that like the city was ours. Yeah. And it is, yeah, it is a very powerful, effective feeling that you are having in these ground narratives of upheaval. And I think for a long time, actually, as Yasemin was saying, I was like, okay, we had this moment and then like, like so many bombings and like the what come after was so hard. I find myself a lot in hopelessness and it, like, especially seeing people whom we were fighting together, sitting their asses in the parks while like we were getting like the anger and the like, thinking about who were together there, what we really gone through. There is no revolution, we lost. I think these are normal things that coming to us, especially after those big affective moments of upheaval. But I think my relation with it really changed when now I have a lot of friends in their 20s, like queer, trans, 
non-binary folks in general. And I think seeing them and the effect of gazing them was for me the first time I'm like, no, we didn't do, maybe it wasn't just for ourselves, it wasn't for the big change, but what, what upheaval did to them, to their lives and how they are now living their lives is exactly what I think why I was there as well. Of course, Turkey didn't change, but seeing the way they politicized, started to politicize was through the queer movement. And for me, it was never there. And now I see that they're not really trying to explain themselves, always trying to make spaces in, I don't know, leftist, feminist, and trying to say like, we are here as well. They're much more confident about a lot of this stuff. And most of them uh, are gizzy based mm -hmm. and that's empowering. Mm -hmm. If I can add to what you're saying, uh, Lalo, because you reminded me of two things, that feeling that the city is ours. I think, yeah, definitely when I think about upheaval, <laughs> this is something that even though it's never fully ours in the sense that there's always the threat in the sense that as also for me as a, a woman, there is always the threat and reality of violence and harassment and all of that, um, not just from the police, from colleagues, from yeah. protesters, from anyone passing in the street um but there's definitely that feeling you know that there was a time in Egypt, there were two years in Egypt where you can just call for a protest and you know tens of thousands of people will be there yeah. you know there's just that you can just go out and you'll find thousands of people like that that feeling um is definitely something yeah now maybe a little bit traumatized but definitely part of what we um felt was so different about that moment you know even even if it doesn't lead to anything it happened it existed we were there at that time and and then the second thing that you were saying the Gezi babies I think I'm a 2011 baby right because mm -hmm. I was 19 in 2011 and I remember very well uh, when I started being a little bit active in, in politics or joined a party and I remember the what like the slightly older generation like maybe 10 years older than me who were in these spaces since before 2011, I remember that they always used to say that it's just so refreshing seeing people we don't know in the in this party, in these yeah. spaces, it's not the same 10 people. And if 2011 only did that, you know, it's something, it's something. I, I appreciate too what you're saying because also like in those like moments of upheaval is also like there like for example like those moments of uprising like mm -hmm. as upheaval also all of the possibilities for like different types of solidarities different types of relationships being built um, and I, and I was thinking about that um, especially what you were talking about. For example, like for myself, I have been, of course, just like growing up as a like woman in Beirut, like I was, or a girl, I, I was harassed like constantly. And I often fought back. I was, I was that kind of person. I was like, I'm not going to take this. I must fight back. But like, it was a lot of, especially like the guys would be on like the motorcycles and stuff. That was kind of a common thing. But at the moment, at this like when the October 17 came around, like all of these men who were on motorcycles, who usually I would kind of be like, let me turn the other way, you know, like, let me just uh, get out of sight from these people, um, suddenly became the ones who were like, um, the most like revolutionary actors and the ones who were the most caring at that moment who were like, after being tear gassed, do you need water? Do you need anything? Like, um, how can I help you? And, you know, or if you see them like uh, in these big groups of men just driving down the street um, and you'd like flash a victory sign with your fingers, they'd all start honking and cheering with you 
but in this different kind of way. And so I think there, there is so much like also possibility of just like being able to like be with different people and to imagine different ways of being together and to, uh, and to like expand and not to say that those moments, there's not still problematic relations going on. Like for example, a lot of the chants were really um, like sexist, for example, and then a lot of the like queer and feminist groups were also having to do like challenges by chanting uh, like chants that would actually kind of make us expand. Like how do we actually want to talk about these things or um, what is considered a curse word? Like is my vagina a curse word, for example? Um, and, and so it's just like these moments of like possibility. I and mean, you said even just going into these different spaces, um, especially in like cities, for example, that might be segregated in particular ways by class or by sect or whatever it might be. And so I, I also like to think of back to this point about like the possibilities of relationships and, uh, and spaces and, and ways of being together and that are always like in the process. And that kind of world building as being like a world's building as being long-term kind of processes as well. To learn more about tracing everyday upheavals in the Middle East and other UCHRI-funded projects and grant opportunities, please visit uchri.org.